Over to you. Good evening, Gary Jeff Walker. On this Tuesday night, some good stuff ahead. Now that we've had like a day separation after the Bengals thumping of the Buffalo Bills on Sunday, maybe we can talk with a modicum less emotion about them heading to a second straight AFC championship game tonight. Or we can talk to Andy Furman. I think we'll we'll talk to Andy Furman instead before the night is over. Looking forward to the furball as always on a Tuesday night. We are going to talk to Jay Armstrong. After a long, long absence from this program, Jay is back this evening to just talk about some random ruminations on what life is like in 2023. He's got some interesting observations, as always. I'm looking for the vape king of northern Kentucky, Jay Armstrong, with us tonight. Also, John Paul Mac Isaac, who wrote a book called American Injustice. John Paul was the computer repairman pawn shop owner where Hunter left his laptop, the now infamous laptop that has given us all kinds of little treasures and insights into the Biden family dynamics and all of their corruption. He has been harassed, threatened. The FBI and others, again, are weaponized law enforcement in this country at the federal level is absolutely out of control. Run amok. We'll talk to John Paul. We'll be going north of the border for a visit with our friend Karen Strawn in just a few minutes to find out what life is like in the authoritarian communist, almost communist state of Canada. I think the moose still have weapons. Steve Gorham will join us with more follow-up on the rantings and ravings of crazy people like Al Gore at Davos and the Green Energy crowd. And Karen Cataline returns after a week's absence before the nightcap is over. I hope you sit tight, enjoy the show, and if you miss any minute of it, you can podcast it after the show is done at uh, 700WLW.com. Karen Strong coming up next. The Greater Cincinnati Remodeling Expo is coming this Friday. New theme song for our Canadian friend, Karen Strong. Actually, it's not new at all, actually. Okay. Good day and welcome to our single. I'm Bob McKenzie, and this is my brother, Doug. How's it going, eh? Beauty, eh? Yeah, I like that. You know, Karen, stereotypes are stereotypes. Sometimes they're right on the money, and other times they're just funny. Like Bob and Doug. Take off, eh? Take off, eh? Take off, eh? With Getty Lee. All right, so anyway, uh, Karen Strong, good evening. Welcome to the Nightcap. Uh, Karen, of course, the curator of GirlWritesWhat.com and uh, a self-described anti-feminist in the past. She lives in the the, uh, communist enclave of Canada. It is her home and native land. And uh, she joins us for a few minutes on the nightcap. How are you? Uh, I am fine. It's my it's my home and native land, eh? And it, <laughs> and it it might actually go conservative, eh? It is is there is there a hope of that? Oh oh, like the conservative party won the popular vote the last two federal elections. Then how is Trudeau in still in charge? It's that parliamentary First thing. Time. First test the po- well, it's like the electoral college, right? You know, Hillary won the popular vote. Well, that's true. Yeah, she so, wasn't I the mean, president. Like it's, it's, yeah, but it's it's just uh, you know you uh, 
you end up uh, with um, if you when you divide everything into electoral dis- districts, um, you if if you win by a squeaker every place you win, and the other side wins by a landslide every place they win. Sure, and you get all the seats, right? You get all the. Get all the districts. So. Well, uh, so I mean, do you, when is the next election, or will Trudeau allow the next election? And and is 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 Trudeau actually Fidel Castro's illegitimate son? That has been. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. No. Look at pictures of them. Look at pictures of young Castro and uh, young Trudeau, and um, the resemblance is uncanny. Compare uh, young Trudeau is. His alleged dad, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, yeah. and uh, the resemblance is just really not there. Well, it's like uh, it's like Chel- Chelsea Clinton looks like Webb Hubble more than she looks like Bill. You know? Well, I mean, Chelsea Clinton looks like her mom. Yeah, but she also looks Chelsea. a lot like looks a lot like Hillary's favorite friend, lawyer Webb Hubble. <laughs> sure, but but Trudeau does not look anything like his mom. Or anything like his purported dad, uh-huh. he just looks like Castro. So I, I got you. Now, uh, yeah, I want to ask you this: in the the predicted conservative lurch in Canada, uh, are they still going to be pushing these poisonous vaccines like they are still doing in our country? You know, Fauci's gone; he's he's left the scene, but. Every day we are barraged in this country with the ads, you know, you, you got to get your booster shot when it's been proven they don't stop transmission or infection with whatever virus they're supposed to protect you from. And there is more and more evidence. We talked about this extensively last night uh, that these vaccines, these mRNA vaccines or jabs cause great bodily harm down the line. Yeah, no, I mean, like, we're we're looking at a situation, right, where, um, they, yes, they're still promoting the boosters. I think that they feel like they have to. I think that even a lot of the doctors who, you know, you have some doctors, uh, you know, who promoted them uh, early on, but didn't mandate them. They weren't responsible for the mandates. They were just people who... Who went and and on TV and said, "Yeah, no, you should get vaccinated. Yeah, you should get boosted," um, and they're turning around on that, right? But anybody who's uh, who actually had a part in the development of these things, the testing of them, and the mandating or the real like published public health um, decisions that right. that really uh, push them, they're not going to give up because. You know, the the greater the harm, the less likely people are to, to change course or to say, well, you know, uh, we made a mistake and and we don't we don't recommend this anymore. Well, there is um, there is a large segment of the population who have gotten the jabs in this country and elsewhere who would never admit it was a bad idea. And that's kind of like personal human hubris you know they they don't want to admit that they were duped they don't want to admit that they made a, a bad medical decision for themselves and their families you know that's that's a part of it too i think took my sister three shots 
uh, one colonoscopy and um, and uh, an autoimmune disease to uh, to wake to, up. Yeah, to to say that oh maybe maybe uh, two shots and a booster uh, m- might be the reason why you know and all of her problems came came on in spring of 2021 right when she got her first shot so yeah. like well the you know the colon problems came on then got worse over the, her, her course of shots and then she got caught omicron anyway uh a month less than a month after her booster and was laid up for like two weeks with omicron the milder virus yeah right she was sicker than i got with uh, with the original gangster um and uh and then she developed this uh this autoimmune condition and she went to a specialist and he's like yeah lay off the vaccinations <laughs> lay off the vaccinations like he's telling you to drink less or something uh yeah so, so karen uh girlwriteswhat.com that's still up and, and uh, no, no 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 i i don't i don't own a website okay Girl, uh, my my okay can i can i use a swear word on your show well it depends i mean uh we're still we're still before 10 o'clock at night before the safe harbor so i don't know what swear word it is but what what is what letter does the swear word start with karen uh, s s probably not Okay, so um, my I, I have a blog All right. called Owning Your S H. Okay, you know, okay, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, which is a, which is a, a blog, great idea. Blog spot. For, is a great idea for yeah. everybody. Everybody ought to own their S H. You know what? I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Owning your S dot blogspot dot com. And uh, that's my blog where, you know, you can find writing from, like, ages and ages. And you can actually find, like, uh, there's a link roundup I posted ages ago of a bunch of um, my amal- – uh, an amalgamation of a bunch of my uh, interviews and podcasts and stuff that I'd done, um, you know, like this one. And um, – is girl, is, girl uh, is Girl Writes What still active somewhere, that moniker? Girl – Girl writes what is you know all you have to do is put it in the the put it in Google yeah it'll take you right to me and uh, Karen Strawn is now the uh, the display name of my channel but the uh, the actual URL is user slash girl writes what on YouTube and uh, and I am Karen Strawn brackets girl writes what on Twitter. Right. Um, because again, Elon Musk resurrected me from the dead. <laughs> I wanted to ask you this: <clears throat> you you self-described anti-feminist in the past. I don't know if that's still you would still say that's oh, yeah. oh. accurate. So I want to ask you this: What is a feminist now? Since they can't define what a woman is with any clarity, what is exactly a feminist in 2023? I mean. Doesn't it kind of lose its punch if if they're, they're not admitting that women are women and men are men and uh, sheep are nervous and all of the rest of that stuff? Because two things have happened simultaneously over the last, uh, specifically the last few years, but the last 25 years or so. Number one, 
feminists have kind of gone, oh, what were we really doing there in the first place with that kind of ideology? And men, through, I don't know whether it's through the water or the food supply or whatever, sperm counts are down. Men have been uh, chided for having toxic masculinity. We've got to get rid of this masculinity in the world when... I, what that really means is they want to decimate the human population. I don't know what the the ultimate goal is. Just your thoughts on those things. Oh, well, okay. Uh, how to describe a feminist? Confused and angry. Mm. Um, confused and angry over everything. And they will find a way, no matter what kind of feminist you're talking about. You could be talking about as trans-exclusionary radical feminist. You could be talking about a pro-trans-sex-positive radical feminist. They will ex they they will do ba mental backflips in order to interpret their observations through their ideology, even when it's not correct, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, yeah, no, we do have a problem with uh, trans identification and that problem is real and it's biologically rooted um, due to you know things like petrochemicals and and exposure to certain foods and like uh, phytoestrogens and yeah and uh, and all of that so some of some of that is indeed biological just like being a tomboy is a biological condition you can tell by measuring people's digits women's digits if if their ring finger is longer than their forefinger chances are they're a lesbian or a tomboy or a little masculine presenting not very feminine um so this is this is really you know like there's there's a biological component to this but um but you have you have two groups who are completely essentialistic in terms of what they view as reality and there's no room for nuance and when they when they come up against uh something that can't be explained by their ideology they will actually just go into these mental gymnastics and twist themselves into pretzels <laughs> um in order to uh figure out a way where what they believe is still true um, you know, despite this other thing uh, actually existing in the world. And it's it's extremely, like, it is an ideology, no matter what kind of feminist you are, it is an ideology that uh, grabs people and holds them in and, uh, and everything needs to be interpreted through that lens. Karen I've Strong. always been a many, many lens kind of person, so. Sure, and I try to do that, too. I try to you know, understand there are different views of the world and try and filter it through those lenses. But some things are just too wacky for me to even tackle sometimes. Karen Strawn, I'm sorry the time is so short, but uh, the sales manager's calling. We need to play more commercials, apparently. Oh, geez. I know. All right, then. So, so next time, we, we, we will have a next time, I hope, because we, oh, we, yeah, we, we, we need more time than this. Karen Strawn. Girl writes what? Search that and owning, or is it own your? Owning, owning, owning your, your sh blank blank dot blog. <laughs> Blogspot.com. I got you. Thank yeah. you, dear. Appreciate you. All right. Appreciate thank you. you. Uh huh.
A visit from our Canadian friend tonight in the nightcap. News next at 700 WLW. 700 WLW News. Built by Stone Statements. Bring your dream kitchen to life. StoneStatements.com. News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW. Cincinnati. Rain turns to snow overnight. With the 930 report, I'm Sean Gallagher, breaking now. For the second time this week, the Tri-State, the Tri-State expecting measurable snowfall. And like Sunday, crews will, will be busy treating roads. We're going to do our best to uh, have things open and passable, but certainly not perfect by any means. Road crews are going to begin 12 to 16-hour rolling shifts starting at 11 o'clock tonight with most of the Tri-State under a winter storm warning tomorrow. The further north you are, you can expect the heavier snow totals. Any storm event, we tell everyone, if you don't have to go out, don't. Just stay put, stay safe. Um, And for those that do have to travel, we know life doesn't stop. Work doesn't stop. People still have to get out. So we remind you to please get out early. You know, know your conditions, know the forecast in advance, and be prepared for uh, slow driving conditions that you're not going to be able to go at your usual speed. That's Kathleen Fuller with ODOT. We could see upwards of five inches in time for rush hour tomorrow. I'm Ricky Uccino, News Radio 700, WLW. Snow emergencies being put into effect ahead of the storm that run late tonight and into the overnight hours based on where you are. Springdale's will begin at midnight in Miami Township. It's in effect from 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. In northern Kentucky, Boone, Kenton, and Campbell counties have level one emergencies and advisories going into effect at 11 tonight. Dearborn County is under a yellow travel advisory. Winter storm warning for Hamilton, Butler, and Warren counties in southwest Ohio, as well as Franklin and Dearborn counties in southeast Indiana. Northern Kentucky, as well as Northern Kentucky counties, along with Claremont, Clinton, Brown, and Highland counties in southwest Ohio, and in southeast Indiana, Switzerland, and Ohio counties are under a winter weather advisory. Both the warning and advisory in effect starting at midnight and running until 1 o'clock Wednesday afternoon. Now the latest traffic and weather together, checking the major interstates and highways at this time, not seeing any new reports of accidents. Now the latest forecast from the Train Heating and Cooling Weather Center on News Radio 700 WLW. Snow heading into our Wednesday morning, two to four inches for greater Cincinnati and more north, less south and east, a daybreak temperature of 31. Now after 7 a.m., we'll see a wintry mix that changes over to rain showers through the day. A high of 40. At night, back to a few snow showers and a low of 30. From your severe weather station, I'm 9 First Warning, Chief Meteorologist Steve Raleigh. News Radio 700 WLW. Radar showing a mostly clear sky right now. Our temperature is 38 degrees. A fourth body that was found in Mexico identified as a Hamilton man who went missing there on Christmas Day. The bodies of 36-year-old Jose Gutierrez, his fiance, her sister, and her cousin were all discovered last week. Gutierrez was in Mexico to celebrate the holidays with his fiance's family. The Bengals becoming betting favorites in Sunday's AFC Championship game of the Kansas City Chiefs. The latest line from DraftKings Sportsbook showing the Bengals are a point-and-a-half favorite. The Chiefs went from an opening spread of point-and-a-half favorite to an underdog, likely due to quarterback Patrick Mahomes' high ankle sprain this past Saturday against the Jaguars. Mahomes expected to play despite the injury. Kickoff in Kansas City Sunday is set for 6.30 here on the big one.
Former Reds third baseman Scott Rowland going into the Baseball Hall of Fame as he's the lone member of the 2023 class. As he got 76.3% of the vote, Rowland, born not far from Cincinnati in Evansville, Indiana, spent most of his career with the Phillies and Cardinals, but finished it out with the Reds from 2009 to 2012, where he made the All-Star Game in 2010 and 2011, and also won another gold glove in 2010. Rowland won the World Series with St. Louis in 2006. College basketball action tonight. It's Kentucky who is on the road as they are taking on Vanderbilt. And right now in the first half, the latest update is that Kentucky leads 21 to 20 with just over six left in the first half. You can listen on ESPN 1530. Our next update is at 10 o'clock. I'm Sean Gallagher, News Radio 700. WLW. 700 WLW Cincinnati. Available everywhere with the iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. 700 WLW, an iHeartRadio station. Why work at Hawksworth? It's the most rewarding thing you've ever done. I started myself. Rejoining us for the first time in a long time, my friend, stand-up comedian, and the vape king of northern Kentucky, Jay Armstrong, is back on the nightcap on 700 WLW with me, G.J. Dubs, uh, the OG. And, and uh, Jay, uh, where have you been hiding, number one? I've been hiding at the shop most of the time. I've been working a lot. Yeah, you're only but working. I, I, you're I only- do want to say... DJ Dubs is the. You should just go by that all the time. GJ Dubs, you like that? Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, we'll work on that. We'll see if we, we can, can trick some young people into listening. Well, you know what? There are there are people that under fifty listen to this program, and that's fairly young. <laughs> I'm 43, and I don't feel young. I feel old and abused and neglected. Yeah, how's the fam? Everybody doing okay? Yeah, everybody's doing doing pretty good. Uh, Christian, uh, our, our youngest boy, uh, just started working in the trades, which is what I've been hoping for, you know, and kind of pushing him towards over the last couple of years. So we uh pretty excited for him to uh, see what he's uh, going to decide to, you know, pick to be the main one because he's working for like an, uh, a remodeling crew where he could do just about anything sure. you know, that he aims at. And I've been trying to push him to plumbing. That's what I did for like 10 years before uh, – I quit my day job for stand-up, and people always need water in and out, man. You know, I, that's I never, just, in my opinion, it's the best profession to carry. Jay, I, I never really even thought about it much, but now that I am thinking about it, because you mentioned that you worked as a plumber for, for 10 years, I bet you had one heck of a great crack. <laughs> I'm just guessing. I still do. <laughs> I still, I'm still not wearing a belt. That way, no. every time I've been down, I, I smile. Jay Armstrong, the most important thing that you just mentioned in that little... Uh, chat about your oldest son Christian is that it it is so essential that young people get into these jobs because uh, they're just not and the people who are actually doing these jobs are retiring at record rates there is one trade person coming up through the ranks to replace five that are leaving so he's yeah, well you got this I want I want to call it organized crime, like a mafia of colleges that get together and try to terrify every high school kid into thinking that if you don't go to college, you can't succeed in life. Not true. And uh, now we've got you know a couple hundred thousand kids with degrees in dolphin dance, and not enough people uh, to make sure the power stays on. Yeah, it's problem. It, <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, and the technology is not covering 
things that people do by hand the way people assume it will. It's just not there yet, and we need people who do plumbing, electrical work, and uh, construction. You can go on and on and on about the jobs that are available right now, and there are millions of jobs available in this country, and most of them, not not all of them are computer programmers. Not all of them are service industry job. Uh, most of them are in trades, and that is where the the boat is the the mark is being missed many times right now. And I, I'm just glad to hear that Christian's on that track, and hopefully he can stay with it. He doesn't mind the work, right? Yeah, no, he's never been afraid of work. He uh, he just doesn't want to get up early. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> well, the only, that's the only a part thing. of it. But that, but that's uh, it's it's something he's adjusting to. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I know that you've been caught up in this emotional rush. In fact, you, you admitted to me that you've actually become obsessed with the Bengals now. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was kind of a super fan anyway. <laughs> so, uh, it's yeah, it's been nonstop from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. It, I've, I've got videos going, radio replays. Uh, I've watched that Buffalo game three times already. Are you kidding? Uh I'm not kidding. That's the uh, the the one good thing about the uh, the app that I use, and I, and I don't want to say anything positive or negative about any specific app, so I'm not going to say the name. But the one that I use, uh, you can watch all the replays, but it's like a crapshoot on which games you're going to be able to watch and how you can watch them. Like some I can watch on my cell phone only with cell service. Some I can watch with Wi-Fi. Some I can watch on my tablet. Some of them it says no to TV. Some of them it's fine for TV. But I can watch them all over and over again. And, uh, what is so far? I'm at once a, once a day. <laughs> besides besides the ten st- straight wins and going back to the AFC Championship game, what has been the real highlight for you this Bengals season? For me, and I'll tell you, for me, it has been the play of the defense the last seven eight weeks. It has been absolutely stellar, spot on. It's the reason they are going back. I mean, you can cite Joe Burrow. You can cite all the offensive weapons. But the defense has come up with huge plays, game after game after game. DJ Reader, Sam Hubbard, uh, Pratt. Yeah, I mean Mike Hilton. You look at him, and even Taylor Britt, the the young kid who replaced Awuzie. Uh, that defense has really shown me something the the last half of the season. Well, uh, you mentioned kind of half of of what has been the big thing for me. The big thing for me has been. Uh, their ability to adapt to next man up when somebody gets hurt. Yep. And, uh, you know, Cam Taylor-Britt is a great example of that. Ouzier went out, and, he's and you know, Cam is already getting highlight reels. Oh, yeah. No, so I... It's, uh, and then we have some, some guys from last year that we were kind of unsure about, you know, like, like Jesse Bates and Eli Apple, and those guys have really stepped it up. And, you know, they stepped it up all year, but especially these last, you know, six or seven games, it's been uh, – great to watch the questions get answered <laughs> you know what i mean what a satisfactory answer like is eli apple really good he is you know and he's been proving it so that uh just looking adversity in the face and just plowing forward you know I, the way that i would describe this i wouldn't call it a run i would call it trudging because they're walking laboriously with purpose yeah. towards this championship oh, that's a good description it's a good description of that jay uh why do you think 
this it uh, do you have faith in the coach now uh to put a team together now that he's had you know time and uh, some some new players under his belt to coach what what do you think the big key has been though in in this turnaround over the last couple of years uh, i think a big part of the key was when you know zach had a a plan you know and he had a culture that was required for that plan to be able to be executed. Mm-hmm. So that first year he's kind of coming in, he still had a bunch of the old guys, a bunch of the old coaches. And, uh, you know, he had to get people on board that, that were going to stay. And it, it took a year to get people on board, and then it took another year to get players to fit the roles that he wanted. And then, you know, last year everything kind of came to fruition, and I think I think we're a better team this year than we were last year. And I think we had a better O-line this year, and I think, that our backups for our O-line are better this year. You know, a lot of people talk a lot of trash about uh, with Carmen Jackson, man, but and maybe he didn't show out at, at guard like the way everybody expected him to. But Sunday in Buffalo, he sure looked like he can play tackle. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, for me, uh, the continuing progression of Joe Burrow as a superstar quarterback can't be dismissed or denied as a part of this this magic formula, the plan that Zach Taylor had with the ingredients he had to put on the plate, so to speak. But I have seen Joe Burrow in the last couple of games, and specifically the Buffalo game, on the first touchdown pass to Jamar Chase. He looked very much like my favorite quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, with that, that kind of jump shot pass, you know, Breaking out of the pocket, right. going up in the pocket, and that jump shot pass to Jamar Chase for the first touchdown, that was so Mahomes-like. But it's, you know, it's it's Joe Burrow. Right, and I think part of that is that it's a more mature style of play for Joe this year. Uh, and I think it's a more mature style of coaching for Zach. You know, all those guys are really young. Even even Zach Taylor is, is a young guy. Uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was the youngest so coach I, in the, I, youngest coach or second youngest coach in the NFL when he got the Bengals job. Yeah, and, and so I think part of what we're seeing with, with Joe's style, I would call it filling out. I think that's probably the best way to put it because he's not doing new things, but he's putting things together better. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I think it's maturing. I think it's, you know, he's filling out that, that talent pool uh, for himself. And uh, I, can't, I can't see anybody stopping us. I just can't. I think, I think we uh, trounce. KC this coming weekend. Really? Trounce? Trounce? I think Trounce. I do. I think it's going to be convincing in the same way that it was convincing with the Bills. You know, everybody, tons of pundits. But, you know, we're up and down. We hit zero chance. We're, we're facing, an, uh, after that, we get past that. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Get past KC next weekend for the fourth straight game. And then they're playing perhaps. The 49ers in the Super Bowl again. How crazy is that? Hey, three, third time's a charm, right? <laughs> uh, well, that's that's what that's what the Chiefs thought earlier this season. Right. Right. Fair enough. Uh, I I don't know who wins that Eagles 49ers game. I don't. Uh, I'm definitely more worried about facing the Eagles. But that Brock Purdy kid seems to just have the universe on his side. Oh yeah. He's got, you know, that you hear people talk about intangibles all the time, and it just seems like things break his way. You know, when, when even when he's not having the greatest moment, you know, the rest of his team steps up, and he's been very lucky in that. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of hope his luck runs out, but I also don't really, 
I'd really rather see him than, you know, Jalen Hurts and, and the Eagles. Jalen Hurts, if he stays healthy, I mean, he might end up being one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen, ever. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do you rate Burrow along those lines? I think right now Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the league, like convincingly. Uh, the I'd say I'd say Mahomes is, is a, a split hair below. Uh, you got to give Mahomes the uh, respect that he deserves, but I don't I don't think Josh Allen is in that that conversation anymore. No, you know, um, the, 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 the Bing, yeah, the Bengals really exposed Josh Allen. Uh, and and the week before he survived the turnovers that he was pretty much that they were all on him uh, for the Bills and uh, the the Bengals defense really exposed Josh Allen as you mentioned not quite all that right well I think I just I think it's an emotional maturity level with him I think once he got afraid he he just kind of fell apart. Uh, and he didn't do the things that he normally does. And, that, and that's why Stephen Hicks was so upset about it. You know, like, I'm your guy. Like, I'm, I'm your go-to, and you're not going to me. What's your problem? Uh, yeah. But I think uh, it could go one of two ways for the Bills. You know, they're kind of outside of that five-year window when you team up a coach with a new quarterback. Typically, you got five years, you know, to get to the Super Bowl. Right. Year, you end up not going. And, and this was his fifth year. So they could uh, redraw it and surprise everybody next year and just come back and crush it. But they were the uh, the odds-on favorites at the beginning of the season to make it to the Super Bowl. So we're the ones that put them out, so I don't see any reason in the world that it shouldn't be us going. Uh, the uh, What kind of bothers me about the odds now is it's not just like the media, the league, and the NFL. You You can purposely get people to push the odds one way or the other now almost nationwide with sports betting being open everywhere. Uh, I know it's not everywhere, but it's way more than it was, you know, even a year sure. ago. Uh, so well, seeing want- the way that those Bengals bets push that, the odds, I think we're one and a half favored now. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's good for our team. I think, I think those guys thrive on being underdogs and, and, and it's because they don't want to be called that. Right, you know. Right, Jay. Jay, I know we could talk a lot more about this particular subject because, as you mentioned, yes, you are obsessed, my friend, and and <laughs> maybe after the season, seek some psychological help. But we, our time is up, sadly. So, thank you very it's, much. Uh, it's always sad. Jay Armstrong. But yeah. Hopefully, when I come back next time, I can talk to you about the cool thing that I'm not allowed to talk about. Yeah, I've, I've been waiting. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> Jay Armstrong, on the nightcap on 700 WLW. Barry Larkin here. If you're looking for a new Silverado at the best price in all-star service after the sale, Columbia Chevrolet has the winning team. How are you, Barry Jeff? And joining us on the telephone line, the call I've been waiting to uh, to take and, and to uh, have this guy on the air. We all know about the laptop from hell. We, we've heard that over and over again. The Hunter Biden laptop that led us to the big guy, and dealings with foreign countries and involving the president of the United States, his father, the big guy, Joe Biden. We've heard about all this. Who was the guy that eventually brought the laptop to light? We have him. John Paul, Mike, Mac, Isaac. Well, wow, that's a lot. of. I thought Gary Jeff Walker was a lot of names. John Paul, Mac, Isaac. 
was Hunter Biden's laptop repair shop owner repairman. And he's written a book called American Injustice, My Battle to Expose the Truth. John Paul, thanks for being on the program. Good evening. Well, thank you for the opportunity. You betcha. Uh, so did you ever think three years ago you'd be doing talk shows like this or be on television or be the subject of an FBI witch hunt and people threaten you simply for exposing the truth? Did you ever think that that was going to be a component of your life three years ago, John? I, I had no idea. I, I fought so desperately to make sure the world would never know who I was. I, I cling to the idea that I could do the right thing and still keep my life, my business, my place, my community. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's uh, so the fact that I had to give all that up, nothing surprises me anymore. So it, it's, uh, Certainly. it's definitely a change. Well, the thing is, you talk about in the book how you've been threatened by the FBI. You're enduring threats against your life. Still have trouble going out in pub public. Because of the big tech and the leftist government and law enforcement agencies are all in cahoots together to try and, um, you know, uh, play the part of protector for one political family and one political party. And the rest of us are all, you know, <laughs> we're all uh, we're all meat in 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 the way. So, you know, when you look at. The, for, the former president's home at Mar-a-Lago being raided by the FBI after the Trump lawyers had, you know, agreed and participated and had cooperated with the FBI. You look at what happened to Roger Stone. You look at what has happened to normal American citizens. If they can, if they can raid the home of a man like President Trump, even though they're doing everything they can, the Trump camp, to comply, then... People like you and me, we don't have a chance in hell. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I think they just anticipated me rolling over uh, and and giving up early. Uh, yeah, I I believe in the FBI as an institution. I didn't trust the FBI, especially uh, as you brought up. Roger Stone was raided the prior January. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw three years of Russia collusion. Uh, I knew the Justice Department was weaponized. I knew the FBI was politically biased. I just knew, though, if I strayed anywhere from the proper chain of events and going to the proper you know, chain of command and, and, and seeing this thing to the authorities, I knew I would be in trouble. So I, I made a copy. Right. Absolutely, you make a copy. Damn straight. Uh, what has... Just give me a little taste of some of the intimidation tactics that have been used against you since you came forward. Well, uh, I mean, from from the government, at least uh, state and, and local, I had a lot of problems getting unemployment. You know, I paid into the unemployment uh, system with my company for 10 years, and then it took me a year of having my case thrown away and my files deleted. I actually had to write a letter to my governor to say this looks very suspect this looks like a politically uh state federal state agencies are being weaponized to go after a perceived political opponent and lo and behold a couple of weeks later i got a, about half of my unemployment i got audited by the irs for 15 uh, 57 dollars from 2016 uh 
you know, I go, I go up against Twitter. They switch out the judges on me with an Obama appointed judge who throws the case out with prejudice and then awards Twitter all the legal fees. So that basically brings me to the point of bankruptcy. I had to move back into my home in Delaware or I'd lose my home. And that's basically what my life's been like for the last two, two years. You were accused of being a Russian hacker trying to influence a presidential election. Uh, the laptop, uh, no, nobody, nobody knew about it until after 2020, conveniently, just like with these classified documents that have now been found in four or five different locations where Joe and Hunter Biden uh, are, are hanging out, uh, including that home in Wilmington uh, in the garage next to the Corvette. And they waited until after the midterms to open up the investigation on that on that particular chapter in the Biden legacy uh, and then waited two months to announce that they had opened an investigation into a president who, you know, not like President Trump, who had the power to declassify any document as president. These are from when Joe Biden was vice president and then a senator. Now they found they found these documents that he had hoarded away for one reason or another. You know, we'll we'll try and figure out or it, we can just conjecture on what the reasons were why Joe Biden needed to hide or take these these documents, which involve Ukraine and China and business dealings and all these other things. Well, I mean, we'll just suppose why. But they have done all of this and... I, I still don't know why there hasn't been a bigger outcry from the public as this unravels and more and more is learned about how the FBI has been politically weaponized against one party in favor of the other. Uh, do you have any idea where this goes from here and will it be the ultimate downfall of a president in a presidency? And, I mean, what do you think is the is the end game? Does Joe Biden or Hunter Biden? I mean, Hunter Biden is kind of kind of low hanging fruit, but he's you know so connected to his father in business dealings and these documents and everything else and the laptop that you had. I mean, who, who, is there anybody who winds up paying for this? Oh, I hope so. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that we're not going to see justice or be able to truly hold individuals accountable until we resolve that bias that's inherent in the Justice Department and in our FBI. There's not going to be a proper investigation into the Bidens, but there's going to be a over investigation into Donald Trump. So until that balance is restored, I don't expect there to be any accountability. So I'm happy that I've been working with and made available to Jim Jordan's committee. So they're going to try to fix the Justice Department. And I've been available in helping out Comer's group because they're going to go after the Bidens and, and hold them accountable. And I'm hoping that if that doesn't work, then I have my, my personal lawsuits. I'm suing Adam Schiff, CNN, Politico, Hunter Biden, and the campaign to elect Joe Biden because all of them decided one day to wake up and label my activity and my actions Russian disinformation. And I'm not going to let that stand. Good for you. Uh, did you know Hunter Biden personally before this? No, I, I, nor did I ever care anything about the, uh, the Biden offspring. Right. It's not a matter of caring or not, but uh, the, the laptop winds up at your shop. 
how what was the what was the order of how that happened uh he came into the shop it was uh, about 10 minutes before closing uh on april 12th 2019 and uh he was a bit disheveled came in with three liquid damage laptops uh one was a complete write-off one uh, i just gave him a keyboard so he could facilitate his own backup because at this time i thought these were his deceased brother's laptops because one of them had a Bo Biden sticker. Okay. And it's often the case in my industry, customers will come in with a deceased loved one's digital devices and they want the memories off. And the guy was in a rough condition and I felt bad for him, so I cut him a deal, which is rare for a Scotsman. And uh, yeah, I ended up checking it in and tried, trust me, I should have billed him a lot more than 85 bucks, and <laughs> but he still didn't pay the bill, so it didn't matter. Yeah, he never came to pick it up, so you still had the laptop in your possession. Now, what was your motivation for... Uh, turning this in to the FBI. What what was the progression of that, John? Well, initially, I didn't really, I didn't care because what I had seen on the laptop was obviously very embarrassing. Uh, and then I saw a lot of financial documents, a lot of money exchanging hands. But again, this guy, his dad wasn't running for president. It wasn't until two weeks later that his father announced his candidacy. And then I figured it was just a matter of time before somebody was going to see Hunter Biden's copy of the paperwork that said I was clearly allowed to go through and recover data from his digital devices. And I figured Secret Service or another Biden fixer-upper would have been over to, you know, pick up the laptop and make sure I don't talk. And then when it became my property and I realized uh, the depths, especially when it pertained to Burisma, because Burisma was in the news cycle at the time. Yeah. Uh, it didn't take me long to do a deep dive and realize the level of pay-for-play scheme being run out of the office of the vice president. And the fact that a lot of money was exchanging hands for our from and to our adversaries. And now this guy's running for president. Well, when, and, Joe, when Joe Biden publicly uh, says in front of news cameras, uh, you know, threatening ukraine to fire their prosecutor or by god i'm going to withhold one billion dollars we already knew about the quid pro quo there but nobody said anything about it and yeah. joe biden goes well son of a bitch they fired him what do you know and and he's blatantly uh, talking about this on news cameras long before all of this happened so i mean everybody should have known there was a pay-for-play deal going on with the vice president and his son being involved with Burisma. But this this really, I guess what was on the laptop really pulls that into focus, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and the players, you know, China, uh -huh. Russia, Ukraine, Romania, uh, Mexico. I mean, it, it was a global empire that the Biden family was operating at, at, at taxpayers' expense and at the expense of our nation's sovereignty and, and security. Security. Absolutely. So you had to you had to close your shop, right? Is that what happened? Yeah, October fourteenth happened uh, on twenty twenty October fourteenth. That the, the uh, New New York Post came out with a story, and I my identity was revealed, and I survived maybe about three weeks before I had to close up the shop and and get out of Dodge. Right, and then the fight for your unemployment and all the rest, which you believe was uh, politically weaponized. And that that's the reason that occurred. Yeah, there's there's been a ton of stuff. And the fight hasn't just been from the opposition. I've had to deal with individuals that claim to be conservatives that claim to want to help me or protect me or provide me with some uh, sense of security or safety. 
and all they want in exchange is a copy of the drive or they want to insert data into the drive that's not there to muddy the waters. Uh, it's been amazing what I've had to deal with. Once I got out of Delaware and went into hiding, I still had to defend myself at length and def defend the, uh, the credibility and the contents of the drive. You know? I, and and to, this, to this day, I still have to defend the, the uh, timeline and the chain of custody. Well, I think just like uh, the the average Roman citizen back in the days of the Colosseum, politics is a blood sport, and that's why some people are drawn to it. And then there are those of us who are thrust into it, uh, really, because we're just trying to do the right thing. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, everybody wants a piece of the pie and, and wants to help you. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm glad you could help me tonight. Uh, and and talk with us. American Injustice is the book. The author is John Paul Mac Isaac, the laptop repair guy who found the laptop from hell and turned it into the FBI and now has been the subject of a witch hunt uh, from all sides ever since. Thanks for taking the time, and I wish you the best of luck, and I good luck in your suit against Adam Schiff and the rest. They deserve it. Thank you for the opportunity to share my story. You betcha. It's the Nightcap on 700 WLW. Hey kids, it's time for another story from Uncle Willie's Big Book of Great Americans. Today is Tabitha Babbitt. She was born as a shaker in 1779 and grew up as an accomplished toolmaker. In 1813, after watching two men use a difficult whip saw to cut timbers, she invented the first circular saw. So the next time you bust out your circular saw, give a shout out to Tabitha Babbitt, a great American like me. You can be a great American too. Listen to Bill Cunningham tomorrow at 12 noon on 700 WLW. Join the Reds. Man-made cause climate change. The four to six inches of snow that may be on the ground tomorrow morning. We'll ask our next guest about that, if that's a possibility. Gary Jeff with you on 700 WLW, the nightcap. And our guest is author and also, uh, darn it, uh, author and also head of the, uh, the Climate Science Coalition, Steve Gorham. Uh, he's written three books on climate change and the environment, including Outside the Green Box, over 100,000 copies in print. And he is our guest once again tonight. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing well, Gary, Jeff. Hey, um, yeah, we've had a lot of people predict that snow is going to disappear. Well. <laughs> a, a famous quote from a guy by the name of David Viner in the United Kingdom said that children won't even know what snow is. <laughs> that was made That was made about 2,000, and uh, he's been wrong many times over, and you're getting some more in Cincinnati. So Yeah, he, he's been wrong now for 23 years. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway... Uh, among the topics I wanted us to cover tonight, Steve, in the few minutes we have, is the what's been called the atmospheric river that they've been experiencing in California, wave after wave after wave of heavy rains. It never rains in Southern California? Oh, yes, it does. And, of course, the immediate go-to from mainstream media and the, the, uh, the green energy nutballs is that this is because of man-made man-caused climate change. What is the real reason for California's atmospheric river that has flooded many areas from San Francisco all the way down to L.A.? Right. So this is a, this is a big weather event. Um, according to NOAA, an atmospheric river is a, um, 
Uh, it's a, uh, a water vapor flow in the atmosphere, and they say it can be as large as the water at the mouth of the Mississippi River. And uh, this forms south by Hawaii, and then it comes in, and for three weeks long, it was dumping uh, water vapor into uh, California in the form of rain and snow. And uh, they've had, they had 10 different storms that struck the coast. More than 20 people died. 25, 000, 25 million people were under a flood watch at one time, and the state averaged 11 inches of rain. And you're right, a lot of folks, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom said this was, quote, proof that climate crisis was real and we have to take it seriously. And President Joe Biden went out there a week ago and said, quote, if anybody doubts the climate is changing, they must have been asleep for the past couple of years. But this has happened, bef- this has happened before. Uh, if you look at ge- uh, geologic history, there's evidence of massive floods in California every century or two. And the one I like to refer to is called the Great Flood of the Winter of 1861 to 1862. Yeah. There's a great art- great article in Scientific American on that. But they had they had an atmospheric river basically after two decades of of uh, drought. And it dumped record amounts of rain. They had 60 cents, 66 inches of rain in Los Angeles over wow. those two months, four, four times yearly average. Uh, they said the Mojave De- Desert looked like an ocean. <laughs> and then up by Sacramento, the entire capital city was under 10 feet of water. And they moved the, they actually, the Governor Leland Sanford moved the government to San Francisco. And Sacramento was flooded for months. And then a guy by the name of William Brewer toured California's Central Valley by boat. And he said that the entire valley was flooded from the mountains on the east to the Coast Range Hills on the west up to the top of the telegraph poles, which were 20 foot high at that time. (laughs) So the the thing is, though, that the 1861-1862 event could not have been caused by human uh, global warming, human-made global warming, of course. Not by fossil fuels, uh, for sure. No, they were doing driving horses and horse-drawn wagons or a few trains burning coal and wood, but uh, world emissions were less than a million times smaller than today. And so that was completely caused by nature. And as a matter of fact, the thing that's going on in California right now is caused by nature. Nevertheless, we have uh, many of our leaders that think uh, people are causing it. And that, if you look in the... Uh, in the dictionary, uh, one of the definitions of superstition is a false conception of causation. <laughs> yeah. So there, there is no, re- there is no evidence this was caused by anything that we're doing, uh, and Californians uh, need to adapt to it like they have uh, throughout uh, uh, centuries. Well, I mean the the bad things that were happening in Salem, Massachusetts, were because of a handful of women who were witches, of course. That's it, right. It is the same kind of mentality that is being used to push this man-made cause global climate change theory. It's it's exactly the same. It's the biggest Don't, modern superstition we've got right now. Yeah. What about the... Uh, boy, there's a lot of, lot of pushback against this thing that was flagged by the biden administration they want to they want to ban gas stoves <laughs> they, yeah this they, they this has been they coming for several years now they didn't yep. get a lot of good press on that though and a lot of people said no wait a minute you guys you, ne- you can't nevertheless the environmentalists are relentless 
And this has been coming for several years now. I wrote a technical paper a year or two ago in response to what they said in California. But uh, what's behind this is fear of man-made global warming. But what they're doing is saying that stoves are a health hazard. Yeah. And uh, it is true that uh, stoves, when you when you light a flame and it's very hot, you can create nitrous oxide uh, at over a thousand degrees Celsius or something, and then that will form uh, that that's an NO, and it will take another oxygen atom and create uh, a nitrogen dioxide, which is a pollutant. But the levels are very very low, mm-hmm. and if you look at these studies, they do things like they put. Uh, uh, plastic all around the kitchen so that so it's almost airtight and then the levels go up uh, if you look at most of these studies they say that the levels are in the very low parts per billion levels and the EPA says that there are no health impacts from nitrous oxide below 50 parts per billion but this is all driven by uh, again another attack on uh, they want you to get rid of uh, your, your propane heater, they want you to get rid of your uh, gas water heater, any gas appliance you have because of fears of man-made global warming. That's really what's driving it. But they're pushing a health issue instead uh, to, try and, to try and get people to uh, be afraid of their stoves. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm afraid of my stove uh, if I'm operating with bare hands and there's, like, grease in the skillet, you know. Uh, and I, I definitely, I don't definitely don't cook anything on on my cast iron or on a on a on a skillet on my stove when I'm naked if there's oil and heat involved. But that's another subject entirely. Uh, just concluded in Davos, we talked about this uh, a lot last night on the program. But the World Economic Forum summit with every kind of freak. Pushing agendas, uh, you know, uh, all under the auspices, all under the umbrella of Klaus Schwab and the rest of his globalist buddies. And, of course, Al Gore had to be there, uh, continuing to enlarge his carbon footprint with his private plane, just like almost every other member of those who attended the Davos summit outside of Davos. There was one private plane trip that was 13 miles away. They couldn't even yeah, they couldn't even drive their <laughs> couldn't even drive their Tesla to Davos for the world. And again, they are very much deluded. We have uh, there's no evidence that that humans are causing uh, uh, global temperatures. Uh, if you, we've had only one degree Celsius temperature rise since 1880 in 140 years. And we've had uh, many century-long periods, uh, multi-century-long periods in the past when it's been naturally warmer than it is today on Earth. And nevertheless, the world is spending uh, more than $500 billion a year to try and put in wind and solar and a lot of other things, which, which actually are degrading our power systems. Um, Europe right now is in the middle of an energy crisis. Uh, they have way too much reliance on intermittent renewables, and and when it gets cold, you just can't turn up the wind and solar. <laughs> and so uh, uh, they're going to learn the hard way. And for they, they right now the uh, the price of natural gas in Europe has gone up to three times what it was two years ago, and electricity is up six or seven times. And so they are, you know, they're shutting off all the lights in the UK. They're saying shower with a friend. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, crazy advice, but uh, 
uh, when your gas bill is $1,000 a month or your, your energy bill is $1,000 a month, uh, it really is impacting people. It's a very sad situation. No, no, there's no question about that in the middle of a global recession. Where, I mean, we're talking about uh, the prices going up, and you can point to what's going on in Ukraine as as part of a component of that, and that probably does play a small part, but it is the purposeful push on these renewable energy sources, which aren't up to the task of what needs to be done, but you, you push up the price of natural gas, which is very clean, by the way. You push up the price of fossil fuels and oil only to make the wind and solar costs seem more affordable. And, and that's exactly what's being done, isn't it? It is, it is to many extent. Or what they do is they buy wind and solar and they, they use that. And they force all the other plants to become backup, and so the other plants can't the uh, the gas and the coal and the nuclear can't run profitably because they've said, well, we got to take the wind and solar first. And so in Europe, you know, you can't build a power plant that isn't subsidized nowadays. And we're heading there. We've got a lot of people that are saying, well, you got to put in wind, you got to put in solar. And by the way, these electric vehicles aren't so good either. What what these cold snaps are telling us is that uh, they aren't really good for for the northern latitudes here. If you got a if you got a Tesla in Chicago, it just it will not charge when it gets down to ten degrees, and it gets about half the mileage that it normally would. And that's if you shut your heater off inside. You don't want to run with your heater on. So, uh, nevertheless, <laughs> it's ten degrees. The administration, uh, the administration is telling everybody got to get electric cars. And uh, that's that's the next thing that's going to break down here. We're going to have an awful lot of uh, automakers losing billions of dollars. And and uh, by the way, does your wife want to go and sit uh, after dark at a public charger with nobody around in the parking lot somewhere? Uh, uh, well, I, I would say my my wife my wife is uh, she's pretty tough. So so no nobody probably <laughs> want to mess be. with her. Nobody want to mess with her, uh, and, and name, namely me. Steve Gorham, Outside the Green Box, and uh, more coming from you, I'm sure. And uh, you, you're doing some pieces, or just had a piece in the Washington Examiner. You're writing more than you, you than you were before, correct? Yeah, I got, I got my fourth book done now, so I'm just in the process of publishing it. It's called right. Green Breakdown, uh, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure. So I got some time now. I can also write some articles, so we'll All do right. a little bit more of that. When, when you get ready to release the book, I hope you'll uh, take time to come back on the show. Absolutely. All right. Steve Gorham, thank you so much. Executive Director of the Climate Science Coalition and author of Outside the Green Box on the Nightcap on 700 WLW. The Bengals are heading to Kansas City. Preparing you for the Bengals and Chiefs. This is a 700 WLW First Community Mortgage Playoff Preview. Touchdown! First Community Mortgage, proud sponsor of the American Dream. This playoff preview is presented by Metro. Now, your hosts, Mo Egger and Tony Pike. Tony, there's tons of different individual player matchups and position groups we could talk about with this game, but I think what the most interesting matchup is is the matchup between Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy versus Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. Lou Anarumo has been masterful. It's the ultimate chess game because everyone in Kansas City is having the same conversation. Last three games, uh, the, the Bengals have gotten the better of the, the Kansas City Chiefs. How do they get over that hurdle? Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, going to be putting a lot of time into figuring 
figuring out what and how to attack Lou Anarumo's game plan that he's going to deploy. Mo and Tony have more on 700 WLW, the home of the best Bengals coverage. With a sweet uh, ensconces all in uh, a big palace of white prettiness that will uh, pretty much paralyze the city tomorrow morning. We'll see. 700 WLW, Gary Jeff, as we continue, finally, the Fur Bowl. We're, we're, we're having you on late tonight, Andy, because I think that you're probably a little bit more wired and tired and fired up late as opposed to earlier in the show. How are you doing right now at this late hour, just past 11 o'clock? Waiting for the snowbirds to kind of get ready. You know, it's funny. I think you saved the best for last. You wouldn't give me the satisfaction of saying that, but that's okay. You know, you talk about these uh, snowstorms and the winter warnings and uh, first alert weather days, as they call them on TV, and you see them in the corner of your TV screen. I often wonder if they're sponsored by Kroger because Kroger would pay for that because everybody rushes to the store to get bread and milk. You You know, know, your first alert weather is sponsored by Kroger. Some people... Even more conspiracy theorists than you suggest that the Kroger Corporation, based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, is actually seeding the clouds to produce more <laughs> snow. Uh, I, I wonder well, what... Well, you know, the, yeah, it could very well be true, but then again, you have to remember the Kroger people, they have to get to work as well. So they may be stranded by personnel. By by the by the highways and byways well, that, when the snow hits. Yeah, but that, if the stores open, that will make the looting more easy for people. They can just steal. You know, there, there's hunt. a story for you. Which is the easiest store to loot from, or to kind of just take stuff off the shelves? From? I'm not a criminal. You know I don't know. I've never thought about no, it. I'm not asking the question. You can throw it out there because I tell you what. I go to Walgreens every now and again, and you want to buy like your personal item, toothpaste. Deodorant, wherever it might be, that stuff is now locked up on the glass. You can't even you have, you have to get someone to open up the glass case to get your toothpaste right now. That's how bad it's been. So I got I got to believe Walgreens has been one of the easier places to to heist some items. I, I don't I don't, so I don't think Kroger's really that easy. I'm, but there's I'm happy. stores out there that might be easier. I'm happy uh, that Walgreens. Uh, if I go to Walgreens. They they don't lock up the preparation H. I'm I'm in good shape. If I oh, want geez, if I want to yeah. pocket that, yeah. you know, for for necessary reasons. So anyway, I, I've never really yeah. thought about stealing from stores, Andy. But apparently, I have you never have thought about stealing. No, I you know when you go to a store and you see items under lock and key, you have to think about stealing or the act of not that you're going to do it, but obviously it has been done, and you wonder how difficult it is and why some stores make it more difficult than others because maybe some stores have been easier to hype or height your your goodies from than others. Well, you know, you go to somewhere like New York City or anywhere in the state of California, you just bring a sledgehammer with you and smash the glass case. Because you know they're, you're, you're not going to get prosecuted if it's less than uh, $990 in any one fell swoop of, of theft. So, you know, you've got well, the soft on ago. crime, no, no bail, yeah. and no prosecution, no felony prosecution for uh, larceny, for ro- stealing, if it's under 1000 bucks. So, I mean, you know, you don't even worry about it. You just bring your sledgehammer around. Right. Well, you just bring a list. Say, this is what I need. <laughs> Give it to me. Right, go to the store manager and say, this is what I need, go get it for me. But I mean, more than that, I remember several months ago when these hoodlums came into Saks Fifth Avenue downtown, which is no longer, may it rest in peace. Yeah, there's a reason for that. 
I know. With a sack, with like a, a pillowcase, walked in, nonchalant, filled it up with uh, women's purses, and just walked right out the door with no problem. I think they did it at Nordstrom's as well. No, again, you wonder why there's no Saks Fifth Avenue downtown Cincinnati anymore. They're probably a pretty good reason, uh, th and that's, that story's a pretty good hint as to why. That's the, you well, know, the reason is because there's no, there's no more items to sell. They're all gone. No, I know, and that's also the reason there are so-called food deserts in certain urban areas because the grocery stores can't stay in business. They operate on such small margins anyway from the ad hoc right. theft that's going on 24-7 in these neighborhoods. And then there, there's these activists complaining, well, we're, we live in a food desert. There's no grocery stores here. Well, there, there used to be. The reason there's yeah, not is yeah. because you were stealing them blind. And that's why you want the grocery store in your neighborhood. That's why you're crying for it, because you are feasting and, and hyping all over it. But that's okay. It's another story for another day. <laughs> so right. now we sit on the precipice of another AFC championship game, the Bengals' second in a row, and a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And you say, yeah. you say that you would rather see the Bengals play the 49ers again should they get back to the big game because you're afraid of the Eagles? Well, I'm not afraid of anybody, really, because I'm not playing. But I will say this. I think the Eagles are more of a well, more of a, of a balanced team, more so than, yeah, than, the, than the 49ers. I, I really believe that. I think they are. And I think if the 49ers have a weakness, if any, it's their defensive secondary, which the Bengals probably could pick apart. So I think they'd rather play the 49ers than the Eagles. I think the Eagles have a better team all around. But let, let me say a couple of stories off the football field that I just right. I, I want to get off my chest, okay. if I may. Okay? Sure, sure. Everybody keeps saying that there's a new sheriff in town and Katie Blackburn is turning this Bengals franchise around, the team around. She's going to open up the bank vault for players contract and since she took over the team it, she's been amazing. All right? I'm going to just put a, an addendum to that. That's wrong. Katie Blackburn has been executive vice president since the year 2001 and they have been terrible for more than three quarters so why is she suddenly so great? I don't know. I actually think the person that needs to be credited, the great person in that organization, is the director of player personnel, Duke Tobin. Duke Tobin's the man. He's the main man. Well, I mean, just just certain, certain things that kind of bug me when people kind of put a, a, a stamp on somebody, which really and truly isn't true. Secondarily, they're saying that the Bengals are underdogs and they're going to respect. That's a lot of garbage, too, because the TV announcers were gushing. They were gushing with praise for the Bengals just the other day on TV. So that's number two. And the third thing, I'll let you discuss all three, if you will. You know, when I see these newscasters kind of selling their soul, wearing Bengals gear. I, I mean, are they, a question to you, are they compromising themselves doing the news with a Bengals jersey on? I'm just asking. I'm not saying good, better, and different. I just question it. That's well, I'll tell you what, I wake up every morning late because I can sleep in, uh, and my wife is up, and she's watching Local 12 every, every right. single morning. She got Bob, you got Sheila. You got uh, the new woman that Alicia, you got Jen Dalton, and they've all been gussied up the last few days, uh, in the last couple of weeks, really, with the Houday Hysteria yeah. outfits on. And well, they're not alone, though. I mean, they're not no, alone. No, 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 I understand that. But what I'm saying, I, I can only comment on what I have seen. That's, Correct. That's, that's the channel that's on in the morning when I come out for my first cup of coffee about 9 or 9.15, and, uh, and I'm watching how they're dressed and looking at their costumes and the whole... 
I never considered any, and this is not a slam on these people, Andy. I never considered these people pillars of journalistic integrity anyway. I mean, they're they're yeah. fine. They're yeah, fine for what they do, but they're mostly they're entertainers, especially yeah. morning yeah. shows. Morning shows on TV are more about entertainment or infotainment than they are about serious journalism. I'm not saying that these people aren't capable of serious journalism. It's just not their job to be serious journalists. So I don't think it affects their credibility one iota. Uh, secondly, what was the second point you were talking about? You, you were talking about uh, uh, Katie Blackburn and, and uh, the real, yeah, I mean, the she's, real she's been the, uh, Duke the moniker of, of the, the person who turned the club around, but people forget she's been around since 2001. All right, she's been around since 2001. What were the Bengals doing in the 2000s? They were going... Uh, consecutive years to the playoffs never winning a playoff game with marvin lewis as the head coach so i mean the 2000s actually saw some turnaround in that bengals team didn't they well if you want to give her the credit that's fine i just think it's it's funny how duke tobin gets bypassed maybe because his last name isn't brown what? maybe i don't know I, I i hate to be picky and i hate to be that kind of guy you just, that just, you you just know, puts, really puts a damper on things you sounded anti-woman is what you sounded like. You sounded oh, like, please, that's uh, ridiculous. you know, crediting that's the, the guy, Duke Tobin. That's ever come out of your mouth. Yeah, I that seem, is the most asinine. You know why? Because I married a woman. That's why. Seemed pretty misogynistic to me, not giving Katie Blackburn any trouble. I mean, any credit. You're, you know. Well, I mean, seems, what, what, sounds what like, kind of credit should I give her? I mean, the last several years, does she get the credit? Does Duke Tobin or does Joe Burrow get the credit? Do you tell me? I mean, tell me. She's been there since '01. You know, they haven't had this success until the last three years. It's been a group. So tell me. It's been a group effort. It's been a progression, Andy. And I, I think, right, yes, fine. yes, to ascribe, to uh, ascribe credit. What, I'm happy it's happened. To ascribe credit to just Katie Blackburn, I think, is myopic, and it's wrong. I will agree with you there. She's not the oh, only, wow, okay. she's not the only reason, but it just sounded pretty. She's, part, she's part of the team. She's part of the, part I, I agree. Of the team. There right? you go. Right. And, and what was your All third? Right, what fine. was your third point? I forgot. I forgot <laughs> the third point. Really, actually, it was the middle point, the second point. Maybe you could. Maybe it'll come back to me. I I forget. I was on a roll a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you were. Right, or so and I don't know about a roll, but maybe a baguette or a croissant. Um, right. Yeah, I, I do forget what the second one was. Do so you okay. think? Not that big of a deal. Here's a here's a non-related, non-sports related question for the furball. And you drive yeah. you drive around a lot. You you drive from your, your palatial estate there in Florence or wherever it is, and you go to Strauss Tobacconist, downtown Cincinnati, <laughs> and, you, and you drive yeah. to the Point Arc every day, you know, which is right. a fantastic organization, and you're part of that team, just like Katie Blackburn is a part of the Bengals team. Uh, in, all right. of, in all of your driving around that you do, and you're in your car <laughs> quite a bit, are, yes. are drivers with Ohio license plates on their car, worse drivers than people with Kentucky plates on their car. I think they are. I think people, I think it's, I think it's, it's required if you are licensed in Ohio that you have to be a terrible driver, Andy. Well, I will tell you this much. I think that I'm not trying to, uh, to kind of dance around your question because you know me, I'm kind of a straight shooter. I don't think that's a fair question to ask because I, I don't do a lot of driving in the state of Ohio. But I will tell you about Kentucky, and this maybe is going on a limb, and maybe I'm way off base. But I find those that have license plates that are tagged 
Kenton County are the worst. Kenton County and Northern Kentucky are the worst drivers. For, I don't know why. I, they, they, I, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I just think that they, wow. they just don't obey the speed limit. They zigzag. They come in and out. And it's not just one. I've seen many a, a, a car on the highway, uh, the women doing their nails while they're driving, uh, putting lipstick on. And they all and, have, you know, they all shaving. have, they all have Kenton County plates, don't they? And I would agree. Yeah, I, live, they do. I, I live in Campbell County, and if I if I am behind either someone with Kenton County plates or Ohio plates. I either switch lanes or I I go another I go another way because I know they're going to do something stupid at any moment. I go in the opposite and, direction, and and that's right, and put me and everybody else on the road in peril because they simply can't drive. You know, I love to hear this. You agree with me? And I tell you what, it's funny because I'll take seventy five north from Northern Kentucky to Cincinnati, and when you hit that uh, Buttermilk Pike exit, the speed limit goes down from sixty five to fifty five. But I guess I'm the only one who could read because no one else follows that suit. They're still doing sixty five and seventy, yeah. and I slow down. I follow the speed limit. Well, they call, call me old fashioned. I just like to follow the speed limit, and these people are. Not only passing me, they're giving me the bird, the one finger salute while they're passing me. I, you know, are you in that much of a hurry? Is it that important? You know, if you're in that much of a hurry, leave ten minutes earlier to your destination. <laughs> That's the one thing, right? Well, I think it's I not. It. It's not because you're old fashioned. You could have just cut off the fashion part and just said old, Andy. Thank you very much. Thank you. No, I like to follow the rules. I follow the law. I mean, it says 55 to 55 by, by Buttermilk Pike exit. Don't and then you it gets know. real tight. It gets slowed down. Everybody wants to move over to the right lane to get to 275. It's ugly. And, and, and you know, every morning there's a tie-up there. You know, bottleneck. You know those speed limit signs are merely suggestions. Furball, thank you very much for another fantastic right. nightcap appearance. You too. We love you. Love Kate, you too, buddy. Katie Brown rocks. Good night. We will finish off. Uh, I did save the best for last, and it wasn't him. Karen Cataline is up next on the Nightcap. People have always craved entertainment. During the Pilgrim's miserable two-month-long journey on the Mayflower in 1620, William Bradford used word games to entertain his fellow shipmates. I spy with my little eye. It didn't go well. If thy answer is a hat and buckle again, I shall rip thy throat. Today, we have something better. Eddie Fingers and Rocky Boyman. They're very entertaining and are no longer welcome on most ships. Eddie and Rocky, tomorrow afternoon at 3 on 700 WLW. Furnace problems? Get them fixed and get comfortable with Logan AC and Heat Services. Furnace tune-ups now just $79.